Oh, don't you don't dye your hair if you are getting your hair dye from a you know dubious source. Okay, yes. do your research. And miscellaneous peddler. <laughs> yeah. AKA wish.com. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to that pretentious book club. Welcome, friends. How are you, how's it going? <laughs> I thought you were going to say friends, enemies, <laughs> acquaintances, countrymen. countrymen. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, that over there is your host, Kendall Shaw, aka Dr. Spoons Palermo. Hello. Hi. Howdy. Bonjour. Ooh, ooh I like <laughs> that. And uh, over there is, uh, oh my God. I forgot how old I say. Okay, over there is Asha Work, but you can call her Wheezy. It ain't easy being Wheezy. And I I don't have any like little French sauce to add to mine like you did to yours, but just imagine it. Some caramelized onions like you would have with your French dip sandwich. That's French, right? Mm, Well, your French accent is way better than mine. So Uh, thank you. Is that merci? Is that what they say? That's my good. Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't like nonsense, can't imagine that you would find our podcast first off because that tends to be what we're here for. But if you don't want our nonsense, you guys can use the skip codes in our notes and you can just go jump to where we talk about the book and only the book and nothing but the book. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> hopefully you're going to enjoy the nonsense. I feel like I've set up my camera weird. So if you're watching the video, I'm like a floating head. I'm trying to fix it. My <laughs> neck has never looked so long. Um, <laughs> Anyways, go. spoons, my dear, my waifu, how has your week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. Well, okay. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, but you know, I'm rocking and rolling. It's been a week of highs and lows, <laughs> high That's highs it. and low lows. It really has. Um, but right now I'm on a high. I went roller skating today. Oh, that was fun. fun. I miss roller skating with you. I know me too. Um, We got to go again. I Um, agree. And then I uh, also, two of my dearest friends were in town and we had a sleepover yesterday and that was great. That is great. And we went to Chili's and it was awesome. And I ate so much food at Chili's Mm -hmm. and then, um, we also watched two rom-coms in a row, two iconic rom-coms, When Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail. So oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, are two, those are like iconic of the same level. That's funny. I know. They're like the two best rom-coms we have as a society. <laughs> so oh, nice. uh, that was fun. And then that this morning good. we went on a walk and uh, we got donuts <laughs> and uh, it was a great time. Heck Yeah. So yeah, and I got to read one of my fave books. So it was a good, that those things were good about this week. Well, that's good. I'm glad there were still some good things in your week to pull you through. Yeah. I've How already forgotten you? this entire week. Oh. I know that it rained and I was so happy. <gasps> that was fun. <laughs> that was I did so like good. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We finally got rain. Um, let's see over here. Well, today has not been rain. Today has been uh, just, it was really foggy this morning and then it got really hot and 
fingers crossed the forecast says it's going to rain for the ne- for the rest of the week. And I really hope that it does because it was wonderful. And I always feel so peaceful when it's raining. So, yeah, me um, too. yeah. So I'm hoping that it just comes back, but, um, today we got the home gym set up like in the garage because Javi's been like collecting different pieces for it uh-huh. and so we put it all together to get today in there even though the the garage is still kind of messed up like it's still pretty full of junk but it's a little bit more organized and now we've got like some workout equipment so that's cool nice. and then um I drew up a little diagram of how we're going to make the chicken run so the chickens can get out of the coop some but not get eaten by predators so that's exciting um I just have to basically go measure and then get the materials that we need and it'll be I think pretty easy so knock on wood now that I've said that I'm going to curse myself in like a week when I'm trying to put it all together but (laughs) it should be relatively easy um and then we also we got little Caesars today and I usually get the cheese bread because I prefer cheese bread to pizza but Uh they gave us crazy bread instead yeah and it was like the most glorious mistake that's ever been made I (laughs) ate the entire bag of crazy bread by myself dipped in the garlic butter and then I passed out like my stomach is still just full of crazy bread (laughs) oh good I'm so glad so good yesterday I was like I gotta start eating healthy gotta start working out but then then little Caesars was like you haven't met crazy bread yet (laughs) yeah uh where the eating healthy starts tomorrow you know yeah it It was crazy bread day today's crazy bread and also you said something about donuts so you guys got donuts Uh and I have been like my brain space has just been obsessed with this idea of making my own like homemade custard filled donuts I don't know why I just I love custard I don't get custard very often I love like custard stuffed pastries I just think Mm -hmm. they're like decadent and I feel so fancy but I've never actually tried to make them before and Pinterest it's like it knows what's in my head because it keeps showing me these videos of um, people making homemade like donuts and then people stuff them with custard and I'm like okay it's everywhere it's a sign Uh, as I was of course I'm trying to get back into eating healthy which I've probably been saying for months on this pod that's what I've been trying to do it's an (laughs) ongoing constant process listen it's a it's a battle every day, you know, it, it really is never ends. Yeah. I do like really good for like four or five days in a row. And then I do pretty bad for like four or five days in a right. row. So I'm hoping that that level of uh, commitment just kind of maintains me. Like I'm, <laughs> I can be satisfied seems, with that. <laughs> yeah. Like it'll just even out that way. I you hope know? so. I'm also trying to, I actually am trying to like exercise more too. So, um, cause I was doing really well with all of like these like big farm chores that we had going on, but then we got all the big ones out of the way. So for the last few weeks, I've like just not been exercising at all. And I've been like, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Uh, um, you have lots of farm chores to do, you yes, know, it's exactly. Fine. However, none of them are like, core stuff. Like I used to do like squats and sit-ups every single day. Now, no longer, but I did like three minutes of wall sits yesterday. So oh, yeah, I feel like that was sufficient for probably another couple of weeks before I feel bad enough again to exercise. Yeah. I um, think that totally counts. I think it counts for a long uh, time. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much been my week, I guess. Um, Tomorrow's Sunday. It's also been like a really chill week. Like my work hasn't been too much pressure this week or anything. So I've just, and I've been taking naps on my lunch break still, which is nice now that I've gotten into the habit of letting myself take naps. Uh, So it's been nice. So like that plus the rain, I'm ready for fall. Like I know I've been saying that for months, but now I'm like, okay, but everyone is now everyone else is on the same page. Now everyone else is posting about fall. Everyone else is talking about fall. And so I'm like, okay, I think it's safe to say 
fall is going to be here at least in name in like a month. It's so coming. now I can really start pining for it. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm already there as well. I just keep yeah. thinking about it and like imagining things. And I'm so excited. Like I have like all these ideas, like outfit ideas I want to sew. I know. Oh my God. See, I have not that I should be spending any money at all and haven't in a while on clothes, but like, dude, I just have been like on thread up, just like saving, adding to wish list all these beautiful fall clothes because <laughs> fall fashion is superior to every other season of fashion. It really is. Like oh, it's undeniable. It is like to the point, like I didn't even like try to like get summer, any new like summer pieces this year. I was like, I don't care. I'll wear whatever. I, I just, I only <laughs> care about looking cute in the fall. <laughs> summer, I like, I love summer, but it is when everyone kind of looks the worst, I think. Generally. It is. Well, but also, also in Texas, winter, it feels like you just sweat. Like in winter, it's just layers, right? But in mm-hmm. summer here, everyone just sweats. So I feel like a lot of us like don't put as much effort into like hair and makeup and clothes because what's the point? Like, what is the point? You're going to sweat right through it anyway. Exactly. And it's been so humid like this week here, particularly like we'll go outside and it's been like lower temperature because it's been raining. Like it was like 80, but we said like with humidity feels like 98 or something. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, and that's like minimum. But so the humidity is just so high. I'm like, I don't want to hear anyone complain and say like Florida's humidity is so bad. I'm like central Texas humidity is also a force to be I'm sure Florida humidity is also terrible though to be honest it is but I've been there in August and I'm like well it's humid but like (laughs) is it more humid than than our days have been I feel like it's kind of on the same level like it's oh yeah I'm sure different days are worse but like as an average I feel like we probably average about the same It certainly feels that way. It I definitely felt that way. When I was I was in Houston last weekend and as soon as I stepped out of the car, I was like, oh my God, this is I have the to worst. leave Houston. Like yeah. I can't even imagine living in Houston. I can't either. Can you? No, absolutely not. And both of my siblings have talked about moving to Houston. I'm like, Why? so what you're saying is that you want to drip with sweat and like, water. It's like you're drowning outside. Yes, like it's like you're the- drowning in the air. Yes. But it's and it's like a wet, hot drowning too. Yes. <laughs> it you feel suffocated. It it's like you're insane. drowning in a hot tub. <laughs> yes. Disgusting. Shout out to all my Houston girlies. Like, how? I don't know how you do it. I don't either. I don't either. Um, oh, I got to interview some people for work this week. So that was oh. new. Um, and one of them was in Houston too. And I had the same thought where I was like, You're so cool. Why do you live in Houston? <laughs> I mean, no, really no shade to Houston. And I have family in Houston. It's just that, oh, I don't like the, I don't, y'all's weather is worse. I'm complaining about our humidity here, but like, it's not this humid all the time. Like Houston is humid all All the time. time. I don't know how you guys feel Like I literally went outside for two minutes to go get my, um, something that I left in the car. And when I came back, I was like, do I need to take a shower? And I'd only been outside for two minutes. It was insane. Yeah. Oh. I have another thing about Houston on my way in. Okay. You know how there's like insane billboards in Houston. There always are. Um, they have no. like this one. <laughs> well, but I believe you. I haven't been to Houston that much. Okay. Every time I'm down there, I go a lot lately. I think it's because a lot of friends I have live there now, mm-hmm. but um, every time I'm down there, I see another billboard that I'm like, okay, what is going on? But there's this like one dentist, like um, that they always put up the, 
most ridiculous billboards. And these actually make me mad. But this other thing that I'm going to say in a minute makes me very happy. But the dentists (laughs) are so annoying because like their whole thing is like we make sexy teeth and they all wear like these fancy like outfits and like pose sexily and I'm like okay we get it everyone who works at your dentist place is hot like oh my gosh they're using sex appeal to get people into the dentist they are literally using sex appeal to get people to go to the dentist and I'm like listen this is having the opposite effect on me. Like I would never go see you guys ever. Yeah. Um, it's very, very funny. Not that Absolutely like, not. You know, so I get it. Sex sells like sure. But the fact that it's for a dentist thing, like, no, we're not doing you it. You never feel more unsexy <laughs> than when they stick the freaking thing in your mouth and try and talk to you and you're speaking. You, if you don't, there's nothing that you do in there's life. that's ever unsexier sexy about the dentist. Okay. Like stop trying to make being a dentist. Cool. We all know you're lame. It makes it's, me so mad. I'm sorry, but it's true. I mean, the, and the dentist's office might be the least sexual place <laughs> on the planet <laughs> seriously every time I'm at the dentist I just want to leave like mm-hmm. <laughs> and hundred percent like, what it's like to actually go to the dentist there because I'm like are they carrying it on like when you arrive like they're like hello we're so glad you made it in today like are they all sexy when they talk to you because that would be like kind it. of funny actually but the okay my other Houston billboard thing that I have is <laughs> this time when I was driving in I became uh, advertising completely worked on me um, because there was <laughs> this one billboard I saw and it was for a law f- a law firm and I think it's like a defense attorney um, is it the 444 guy uh no this no this was for push and win and this is push p-u-s-c-h and win n-g-u-y-e-n um nice you know like that spelling of yeah. it. and so the uh and so <laughs> I was like push and win and I was top it said like we push and you win and I was like oh Excellent. and then I kept driving and then there was another one where on one side of the highway it said we push and it had who I'm presuming is push going like this and on uh-huh. the other side of the highway it was win and it was like and you win and I was like <laughs> oh my god this is like so immersive like we push you win I'm seeing it I'm seeing the vision I'm feeling it it's a pun they look the like vision. nice guys so I was like I don't even need a defense attorney but my brain was immediately like well I know who I'm gonna call <laughs> I'm calling push and win and then I got they to succeeded. Emily's house and I was like with my friend I was visiting and I was like okay have you heard of push and win and she was like oh I love them <laughs> Oh my God, advertisers take notes. See, sex appeal actually turns a lot of us off, but a good pun that will stick with us. <laughs> well, sex appeal for a dentist, absolutely a no-go no go. No, but no. there's something sexy about them. I have to say, you know. <laughs> Push and win, contact us. We'd be happy to do a commercial for you. Uh, Apparently, we're obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I love you. I'm going to send you a picture after. You see I'm how, excited. how good this advertising is. Like, man. It sounds like really top tier advertising. <laughs> like, I don't know who's in charge of their marketing department, but they should be making the big bucks. I know. And you know, as soon as they realized that their names worked like that, they were like, oh my God, 
this is everything. We have to make this our whole thing. That's actually why they partner together. They actually don't like each other that much, but their marketing department was like, but you guys, I mean, that- the marketing potential, you have to make this work. Are you seeing the vision? They're like, all right, for you, push, I'll do it. <laughs> for you, win. <laughs> this will benefit us both. Oh, so good. Oh my I God. I love that. Yeah. I just made my whole week now. (laughs) That was delightful. (laughs) I just had more. I was like, have I not uh, felt like a single like entertaining thing? Have I not had like a single entertaining thought this entire week? Because that really entertained me. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I've just been a sleepy week, man. I just want to like be asleep this week. Not even in like a sad way, just in like my brain is like, this week should be a week off to just like yes. drink hot tea and nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've we been drinking a lot of hot tea now. again. So <laughs> I'm enjoying that. Hot tea really hits the spot sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. even when gray. it's hot outside, you're like, okay, but I need hot tea. Yeah. It was out there. We were sweating and it was so the second time that I was sweating for the day because I went out and did the morning chores. And then I was like, you know what, while I'm out here, I should just go ahead and move around the rest of the hay that my brother left in the orchard that I was supposed to like spread out. And so I was like, it'll probably take me 10 minutes, like cut to an hour and 15 minutes later. And I'm dripping with sweat and I could not possibly smell worse because I smell like sweat and also somehow fog and also like mildewing hay. And it was disgusting. And so then I come back in and rinse off. And then Javi's like, all right, ready to go put together all the gym equipment out in the garage in the heat. I just no. came from and I was like, oh my God, fine. And so we went and I was, I was so, I was so naive. I, cause it was still pretty cool in the day when I went outside, I was just, I sweat because I worked for an hour and 15 minutes, like tossing hay around with right. the pitchfork. So it was like a lot of manual labor. I thought just putting some equipment together, I'm not going to like get really gross, but also this was a couple hours later, the sun was up. So it was much hotter in the garage where there was no breeze. And so I, so I took my hot tea out there with me and I was like, I'm dying. And then Javi was like, why don't you stop drinking hot tea? And I was like, I can't, (laughs) that's not an option for me. I do have to keep drinking. Like, so what you need to understand is that this is a staple and Mm -hmm. this this is is baseline. We're having hot tea. We're yeah. And then I tried to get him to try it. And then I was like, let's go get um what like make us go get limeades because like on a really hot day for some reason, it's just like a good limeade. And just plain lime limeade is my like go-to for like if I've been like working outside because it's just so refreshing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I convinced him to take me to get a limeade and then um but on the way I was still drinking, I was still finishing my tea. And so I was like, you have to try it. And he's like, I don't want to try it. And I was like, no, you have to try. Here's the thing you guys have to know about me. If we ever meet in person, if I'm drinking tea and I offer you tea and you say, no, you're still going to drink the tea. Like (laughs) I'm not going to give up until you're having the tea. tea. We are having tea. If I offer you a cuppa, you're having a freaking cuppa. Like there's no (laughs) way around this. And this isn't etiquette. This is sincerely me pushing my belief that tea is the best (laughs) beverage for you into your life. And I will not take no for an answer. And if you say (laughs) no, I will sit there and I will pout. I mean, I will pout and cry and gripe and fling my arms around like a middle schooler until you actually drink the tea, which is what I did today to get Javi to drink it. And it worked. <laughs> You're like, you don't want to have tea with me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like sobbing. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And then he was like, no, I just, I don't want any tea right now. And so then I was like, 
flinging my arms around in a tantrum in the car <laughs> until he was like, oh my God, fine. And took like the tiniest sip of tea ever, but I still felt triumphant. So that's the well, thing, guys. I'll you just take a sip. Just make this easier on all of us. Just take a sip. <laughs> tea, take a sip, babes. Tea <laughs> is a social like drink. You know what I yeah. mean? That's the reason you have tea parties. Like yeah. when you have tea, you're like, oh, I need to share this tea. Exactly. That must be it. Yeah. So guys, just let me love you. I'm trying to love you. And here's the other thing you need to know. I probably have over a hundred different types of tea. If you don't like the tea I'm offering you, I promise you, I can find you a tea that you will like. (laughs) You do have a lot of tea. (laughs) So much tea. I have a whole drawer full. And then I also have like an entire cabinet full to the back of tea. So yeah. when Caleb came over, he was like, do you have any tea? And I was yeah. like, I pointed to the drawer because just this the first spot, spot I was thinking of. And he, opened, he was like, oh, cool. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And then I went and I got on the stool and I opened the cabinet and was like, also all of this. He's like, <laughs> I'm just going to get something out of this drawer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Since you're all right, um, we can try the rest of these later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I have, I have tea cabinet as well. Um, we literally call it tea cabinet. So I love that. I like how you often take away article adjectives from things. You don't use them. (laughs) And honestly, it makes me so happy. (laughs) You're like, what if I just don't use a, an, or the anymore? Or what if I just say, this is not the tea cabinet or a tea cabinet. This is tea cabinet and it makes it like personified and yeah, to me like that name. makes me so happy yeah exactly <laughs> I like the way that you personify very basic like <laughs> objects and places I literally I have okay this is kind of like Anne Shirley core of me but I realize that even to this day I will kind of like personify things in my head and like the other day I was what was I doing I was literally like moving something around like at work like I was moving these little like candle molds that we have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but I have to move this one so it can be next to this one because they're friends. And like that was like a genuine thought in my head. And then I was like, they're made of metal. Like, what is going on? Like, I had to remind oh my myself gosh. that they're not friends. They don't have feelings. They're inanimate objects. And that then I was so cute. <laughs> That is it was, hysterical. It's like kind of embarrassing to realize that I still have these thoughts all the time. That is Anne Shirley core. Uh, it kind of is. Marilla would you like yell at me? Anne she'd Shirley. be like, that is the most foolish thing I've ever heard. Yes. Um, which, foolish girl. <laughs> exactly. Which brings us to our book for this episode, which is Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Yeah. Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo, baby. Look how cute my book is. I was going to show you my book's really cute too. Here, you look like if you guys want to see our video for our episodes, you guys can go check out our Patreon. That's where all the videos <gasps> are. But I like yours better. Oh, it's so yours is really cute. pretty too. Well, I realized um, I basically spoiled myself and I bought this nice one because I realized too late that I didn't have time to order it from Thrift Books because I thought that I had ordered books like later into the season and I hadn't. And so mm-hmm. last week I was suddenly like, oh my God, I have to order all the books for the end of the show, like for the end of the <laughs> season four or else I'm not going to have them. And so uh, I ordered that one off Amazon and Amazon doesn't like always have like the nicest ones, at least that, I mean, I'm sure they probably are all on there, but like the, you know, a lot of the options are just not as pretty. I usually find them on bookshop, but that takes longer, but you guys do shop at bookshop.org because uh, it's awesome and you can support local bookstores. And also you can actually, I think at the bottom of uh, 
at the bottom of all of our episodes in the description, you can actually follow a link that takes you to like our little like listing in bookshop.org. So you can actually like buy the books that we read on the pod. What? Which is I didn't cool. know you set that up. That's so I cute. Did. It's very cool. I think it's bookshop.org slash story siren studio. Cause that's our production company. I think that's what it is. That's cute. I don't know for sure, but it's at the bottom. It's in the show notes, um, but it's adorable. Let me show you this other thing I have. It's the Anne of Green Gables journal and it just has it's just like space where you can write in it and it has pictures and Aww. quotes in it but I haven't written anything in it because it's too pretty it's too and pretty I, yeah. my thoughts are not good enough to go into a book that has is filled with Anne of Green Gables quotes that so is I'm adorable like, okay not sure what I'll ever do with this but it is pretty it is pretty. So can we just say Anne Shirley real quick is the poster child of Cottagecore long before Cottagecore <laughs> was, a, was a thing? She is. She's extremely Cottagecore. Yeah, she is. So like she's all flower crowns, like cute mm-hmm. little boots. Like um, when you said I was moving the hay around in the orchard, I was like, okay, Anne Shirley Core, like yeah, except that I was so gross and disgusting, but Anne Shirley would have been adorable about it. And she would have been like making up stories. Yeah. And I was just like, God, I'm hungry. I can't wait to go eat something. I think that you did way better though. Anne would have forgot what she was doing halfway through and like left and picked flowers or something. Like yeah, you actually did it. You are like the work, like you actually do the work for Cottagecore and like messes everything up and yeah, but she's so much happier, you know, like she's just (laughs) such a happy life. She really does. Like it all works out. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but yeah, exactly. So, uh, I would call this a book wreck from Kendall herself (laughs) because she's been, She's been wrecking it for a hot minute now. Um, and I had dubious feelings about it, largely just because whenever anyone's too enthusiastic about something, I'm like immediately suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you must be wrong, actually. I, mean, I don't know if that's possible. I think I'm also like, is it going to live up to the hype? So, I mean, we'll talk right. about it. I will leave you in suspense for now because I know it's I, killing you to know what I thought about it. I think I have an idea. So I'm just kind of like <laughs> waiting for that shoe to drop, but you know. <laughs> Okay. Well, so first, before we get into the summary of the book, uh, let me guys tell you a little bit about, um, did I say, let me guys tell you, let me guys tell you a little, I would love, I would love me guys to tell you. And then I could just sit here and listen, but instead, uh, I'm going to me, me, Ash, me, Weezy is going to to tell you (laughs) about this author. Didn't I say, I just woke up from a nap. (laughs) Ah. Never been more obvious. Okay, um, I got all this information from the Canadian Encyclopedia because, by the way, which I did not realize at first, this book is Canadian and the author is Canadian. I don't know how I never got that. Like, Anne of Green Gables is, like, is still a household name. Yeah, and, like, it's, like, super Canadian. Like, it's there. Mm-hmm. Is Anne Shirley, like, Canada's Superman? I think so. They're so <laughs> obsessed with her. <laughs> as far That's as adorable. What else does Canada have? famous figures wise uh, I am here to insult the Canadians today I, if I've offended you I did it on purpose you're welcome I don't I take don't it really back. know like unfortunately I know almost nothing about Canada this is the thing Canada's real mysterious actually I had some friends who are Canada hi Canadian friends by the way if you're ever listening to this but hi. um I am gonna tease you guys for your most famous country like your most famous figure from your country that's known around the world I do feel like is Anne of Green Gables. Oh, it absolutely is. Like, 
but you yes. know what who better like I'm gl- they have someone nice representing them I think that's nice um you know? yeah <laughs> let's not even talk about the people who've come out of Germany that the world first comes to mind like I think Canada's doing that all right sucks. you know it's hard to like get out of like the yeah. shadow of somebody bad <laughs> even yeah. if you have a lot of good people I know I think about that a lot because sometimes I'll be like you know what I feel so bad for Germany <laughs> For that reason, I used to think that a lot growing up. Lately, I've been like, you know what? I feel really bad for America. Because <laughs> <laughs> See, that's just, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> we can't get away from it. And I'm like, we can, please do not view us, the people, as represented by these people that everyone knows us for. But we right. do not approve of action. None of us actually like. We were given options of the worst and the worst. So just like... <laughs> There, we, there are a lot of nice Americans, you guys, and there are lots of nice Germans. Probably. And you know what? I bet there are a lot of mean Canadians. So yeah, everyone's the same, no matter where. Yeah, you're. I want to know. I want some actual stories of meeting some mean Canadians because I still only get stories of really nice Canadians. There's yeah. just no way a whole country of people. There is, is nice. no way some of y'all have to be mean. They're like, but our national figurehead is Anne Shirley. How could we not? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, sorry, our. <laughs> start saying it correctly (laughs) oh god it's good okay so the author of Annapurne Gables L.M. Montgomery aka Lucy Maud Montgomery was born on the 30th of November in 1874 in Clifton which is now called New London in Canada making her a Sagittarius that is correct this is so good I like how you like are learning the zodiac signs like to recognize them and I'm just making no effort whatsoever to do that (laughs) you're always like and Kendall will tell you they are (laughs) exactly exactly um let's see so uh apparently Montgomery's ancestors were among the wealthy and educated immigrants who came and settled on St. John's Island, which is now called Prince Edward Island. They came over from Scotland in the 1770s. So her family's oh. kind of like old money type feel, kind of like the people who say, oh, well, my ancestors came over on the Mayflower. It kind of feels like that vibe. Oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the vibe. You guys, Canada, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, you might be too nice to do that though. Uh, so Montgomery's mother, Clara Woolner McNeil, uh, unfortunately died from tuberculosis when she was only 23 years old and um, Montgomery was only, oh, she wasn't even two yet. So that was pretty crushing. Mm-hmm. And it really influenced her later in life. Later in life, she basically was quoted saying multiple times that she felt like motherhood was the most important job. And most people think that's because of um, her, unfortunately, losing her mother so early on and really missing her influence in her life. Uh, Apparently, her earliest memory was of seeing her mother in her coffin. And that's what she wrote in her autobiography, which was published in 1917. So that sucks. It definitely does suck. Yeah. Um, Ellen Montgomery's life was not... uh, easy it was not the easiest life it wasn't the worst but it had a lot of really significant hardships in it as well Mm. um so especially in her childhood I feel like and then in her like semi later adulthood so uh her childhood was spent with her maternal grandparents in Cavendish Prince Edwards Island her father Hugh John Montgomery moved uh he moved to now what's Saskatchewan area uh, in 1887. And at that point she went with him. Uh, but then she didn't really like it there. She kind of felt like she didn't belong in the family and she didn't really get along with his new wife very well. And so she went back home, well, home to Prince Edward's Island to the McNeil homestead in 1891. Um, and this is where I was like, Ooh, I wonder if this is, you know, what influenced her kind of, you know, um, 
you know, Anne of Green Gables type setting, like her going to live with these two elderly people who are really sweet, but apparently not because apparently her grandparents showed her little affection, which is very Aww. sad. And her childhood, she felt very lonely and isolated. Um, and that's why she got into reading and writing was to, you know, kind of escape by using her imagination. But she did not feel that she had a happy childhood. Oh, very sad. Um, she started writing poetry and keeping journals when she was nine years old. And then she started writing short stories as a teenager. And her first, uh, her first ones were published in a local newspaper. Um, and then sold with, uh, then sold to some magazines through North America. There was something I was going to say about that. Um, oh, well, I don't know. No, I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh, well, Doesn't now matter. I have to make a note to go remember that I've forgotten everything um so her first publication was a poem called on cape la force which was printed in the charlottetown patriot in 1890 just a few days before her 16th birthday which is very cute oh um, good for her yeah when she first started writing she used pseudonyms including mod cavendish and joyce cavendish um but then she finally settled on using lm montgomery because she wanted to hide her gender which of uh, course, yep. because they which reminded me, yeah, this was like in 1890 and she was published in the early 1900s. I will say that for this book, for sure. I was shocked to find out that Anne of Green Gables was written in like the early 1900s because it reads as like a much more modern book. Like it doesn't, it's have extremely easy to read, very to easy to read. I would not have guessed that it was written at this time period. Um, so in 1894, she completed a teacher's training course in Charlottetown, and she graduated from a program that oh. was supposed to be two years, but she actually graduated in one year with honors because she was a smarty pants. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And Shirley Core. Exactly. Very Anne Shirley Core. So she studied English literature at the Halifax Ladies College, but she did not finish the degree for financial reasons. And this was also around the same time that she started to get paid for her writing. So that's pretty cool. And after this, she started teaching in like village schools, like as a career. So uh, let's see. Uh, Her father, not father, her grandfather died in 1898, at which point she returned to Cavendish to live with her grandmother. Um, and then in 1901 through 1902, she worked as a proofreader, which is, you know, kind of fun. And she wrote a weekly society column under the alias Cynthia. Uh, and other than that, from 1898 to 1911, she stayed in Cavendish and wrote a lot of poems and stories that got published and worked in the local post office, which was run by the McNeils from their homestead. Isn't that wild? Oh, like, oh, where do you live? Oh, I live at the post office. Yeah, but it's kind of weird. <laughs> very strange. Um, so her romantic life was very interesting. Oh. She had like a lot of romances. Lucy. She had, um, I know I was like, what is happening? Uh, when she was a teenager, she declined a marriage proposal from a boy named Nate Lockhart. Um, Ooh, when name. she was, I know, very good. Uh, when she was doing her post-secondary studies, one of her teachers was courting her, John A. Mustard. Uh which I, I don't know okay. the age difference there. So I don't know if that's yeah. creepy or not. Um, I do think <laughs> that teachers trying to court students is not a good power dynamic though. I'll point I think out. bad just, probably. And he doesn't have as good of a name as Nate. Nate so. Lockhart. No, not at all. Um, then she was also courted by a boy named Will Pritchard, who was the brother of her friend, Laura Pritchard. Oh. Um, and they didn't end up together, but they did stay really close friends until he passed away in 1897 from influenza. So, oh, Dang it, that influenza comes for everyone, doesn't it? It really does. It really does seem to. That and tuberculosis gets everyone. Yeah, oh, true. so true. Yeah. Um, 
So also in 1897, she became secretly engaged to Edwin Simpson. And you're going to hate this. He was a distant cousin. No! Yes. Yep. Who was studying to become a Baptist minister. But apparently Lucy was not against cousin lovers. Here we go again with the cousin lovers. God, (laughs) you can have one author from the 19th century that we can count on. Even Mm -hmm. one. No, they were all like, cousin lovers is perfectly fine. I don't know what you're making a fuss about. Everyone else. (laughs) God, Lucy. Yep. But don't worry, don't worry. They did not get married uh, because within a year she became, quote, embroiled in a passionate romance, end quote, with a farmer uh, from Prince Edward's Island named Herman Lurd. Lurd, Lurd, not a good name. Okay, uh, but yeah, a passionate romance, wow. Passionate romance, yeah. Um, let's see, and that's also when she broke off her engagement with her cousin, which apparently her family was disappointed by, yeah, you know. Probably. And we really like to keep those bloodlines close. <laughs> No, Um, (laughs) what a disappointment she was to her family um although we're proud of you lucy for doing that thank you for not marrying your cousin oh let's see in 1899 shortly after she'd returned to live with her grandmother um lurd the remember so the one she had a was embroiled in a passionate romance with Mm -hmm. he also died from influenza oh that was pretty sad that sucks i know and that was in 1899 uh, so that kind of was the end of her like romantic, you know, stuff for a little while until like 1906. Um, so she had been secretly engaged uh, since late 1906 to a Presbyterian minister named Ewan McDonald. And she married him in 1911, right after her grandmother passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah. They honeymooned in Scotland and England, which is fun. Um, let's see. And then they moved. So this is kind of, I wonder if this kind of um, impacted the way that she wrote the Anne of Green Gables, like all of the good stuff happened at Green Gables. And then like everywhere else, the world was a little less forgiving. I don't yeah. know, because pretty much after they left Prince Edward Island, life got harder and it hadn't been like, you know, all roses up until now for her anyways, yeah. but they left Prince Edward Island after being married and they started living in Ontario. Uh, and that's because that was where Ewan was assigned to parish. Um, And then they had their first son, Chester, who was born in 1912, um, who was apparently later, I think this is the one I want to say who was kind of a dick later on and (gasps) pretty, pretty cruel, even to his mom. Uh, Let's see. Their second son, Hugh, was born stillborn in 1914. So that was sad. And then their third son, Stuart, was born in 1915. Um, And that's where they stayed uh, until 1926 when they moved to the small village of Norville. And then in 1935, they moved to Toronto and they lived in a house near the Humber River, which she called, quote, Journey's End. That's what she named it. Oh. Which is like, is that sweet and hopeful or is it (laughs) dark and ominous? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, Lucy. Um, I feel like Lucy would be like dark and ominous and sad and Anne Shirley would be like happy. So I feel like she was a little at war with herself on this. (laughs) Um, let me see. Let's see. So she, she felt, uh, a little bit, not a little bit. She seemed like, uh, to feel extremely stressed and with a lot of pressure on her life between being a minister's wife and being a mother and being a writer. She seemed to have a hard time balancing all of those things. So I'm like, yeah, girl, the best Uh, of us. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And then apparently the whole situation was made worse because her husband, Ewan, 
um, his mental health was increasingly unstable until he was admitted to a sanatorium in 1934 and resigned from his parish in 1935. So that's pretty crushing, especially because she herself was suffering from mental illness. Um, and that's, uh, so that also was an extra challenge on top of trying to be a mom and be a writer. And now she's responsible for everything because her husband's in a sanitarium. Um, and that's basically when she started really holding to the idea that she believed motherhood was the most important work for women. Um, and she completed her first novel, which was Anne of Green Gables in 1905. Um, she credits Little Women and Alice in Wonderland in a story in a Montgomery newspaper about an English couple who had tried to adopt a boy but were sent a girl. This was these were kind of her inspirations for Anna yeah. Wait, so that really happened? That really happened to like oh. to a couple, to an English <laughs> couple. Yeah. Um, so the manuscript was actually rejected by a lot of publishers. And so okay, she screw them. I know. <laughs> so she gave it up. She put it away apparently in a hat box until 1907 when she tried again and she secured a publishing deal with L.C. Page in Boston. Uh, the book was released in 1908 and sold more than 19,000 copies in its first five months. Uh, and Is it was reprinted. A it's I a guess. lot. Okay. I think cool. then it was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It was also reprinted 10 times in its first year. So that for sure is a lot. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was garnered widespread acclaim right away. Um, it got a lot of endorsements, including from Mark Twain, who really he liked, liked he, it. He loved the character Anne Shirley. He thought she was just delightful. Of course he would. I he know. is the kind of character he would like, I think. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, Mark Twain is kind of cottage core, but for boys. Like, yeah. that's kind of the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think that he would, because Mark likes to, I think he delights in ridiculous things a little bit. He you does. Know? And Anne is so ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I think he would like that. I totally agree. Sorry, I guess I'm really hear my eyes shaking around in my cup. Um, let's see. So, her contract with the publisher L.C. Page in Boston required her to make two more sequels to Anne of Green Gables, including Anne of Avonlea and mm-hmm. Anne of the Island. And then she wrote four more books on her contract with him. Um, some of them had to do with Anne of Green Gables. Um, and then in 1920, she did not renew her contract with him, but he still went ahead and published a collection of short stories that he had in his possession. And so then she was basically just like dealing with lawsuits, like with suing him over and over mm. again for the next few years. So that was also not peaceful. That was also a stressor in her life. Um, and at that time, Paige held the rights to her first six books, including Anne of Green Gables. So that's unfortunate. Uh, at this point in time, she shifted to Canadian publishers, McClelland and Stewart, and American publishers, Frederick Stokes. That was 1917. Oh, and I said a few years. It was more like a decade of legal battles over the royalties and rights to her stuff from Paige. So, Fun. yeah, I know. Um, but when, as uh, during that period where she had these other publishers that she'd contracted with, uh, she wrote five more Anne books and her best-selling Emily trilogy, So, which I have not read, but I Me think it sounds I've... adorable. Um, so... By the time that she had passed away, she published 20 novels and two books of short stories, as well as one book of poetry. Wow. Um, Yeah, as well as that autobiography I mentioned. Uh, Not to mention all the poems, stories, and articles that she wrote for magazines throughout her life, which is what she started with um, and she continued to do. So a lot of that stuff was also published after her death. Um, so Anne of Green Gables specifically had been, has been adapted dozens of times, translated into more than 36 languages. Um, oh, sorry. No, that's all of her stuff has been adapted dozens of times and translated into more than 36 languages. Anne of Green Gables alone has been adapted more than two dozen times, including twice as a Hollywood feature. There was a silent film in 1919. 
which I did not oh, know. That's really early. It is really early. And a talkie in 1934. Oh, and wow. then twice as a BBC miniseries. Um, it was also adapted into a musical for CBC TV. And then a second production aired in 1958 of that. So that was 1956, 1958 as a musical. And then it was expanded into a full-length musical for the Charlottetown Festival, apparently. Oh, cute. In Charlottetown? Yeah, very cute. Imagine going to that. (laughs) I know. I know. It sounds super sweet. And apparently it has uh, the... At Charlottetown's Confederation Center of the Arts, it's played there every year since. So, Oh, bless their hearts. Yeah, it's very sweet. sweet. Uh, But apparently the best-known adaptation of Anne of Green Gables is Kevin Sullivan's 1985 CBC TV miniseries, which I'm guessing is the one that you love. Dear, dear favorite. Oh, I know. So good. You know, there's also like an anime. Japan apparently loves Anne of Green Gables. That makes sense. <laughs> That's not surprising to I me. I feel at like all. Japan gets behind cottagecore too. Japan is also was cottagecore long oh. before cottagecore was like a term. Yeah, I think they love it. Yeah. They definitely love cottagecore. I that's adorable. I would love I would love to watch the anime. Mm-hmm. Um so our author passed away in Toronto in 1942 just before the first Canadian edition of Anne of Green Gables was published. So it's published oh. in America first. It sounds like um, her body was transported by train back to Prince Edward Island. See, again, adding to my hypothesis that she liked that place better than all the other places. Yes. Um, and so a, her ceremony was held at what had then become Prince Edward Island National Park. Um, and the homestead in Cavendish that Montgomery said was a model for Matthew and Marilla uh, <gasps> Cuthbert's farm in the first novel. So. I want to uh, go there. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very sweet. Imagine going um, there. It sounds magical. Like, I, I would love to see it after all the descriptions that we have. Right. The Green Gables. She makes it sound like the best place in the world, Prince she Edward does. Island. Like, she does. Um, let's see. In 2008, on the 100th anniversary of the publication of Anne of Green Gables, this gets interesting. Um, there is some controversy about how she passed away. So <gasps> this is, yeah. What? So this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So. In 2008, Montgomery's granddaughter, Kate McDonald Butler, told Globe and Mail that uh, her family believed that Montgomery's death had not been due to heart failure, as was originally disclosed, but they believed that it was a suicide by drug overdose. Oh, yeah, wait, I she, thought you meant murder. Oh, that's no, sad. I know, it's sad. Uh, murder would almost have been better, not because- it I wish it had been that. Just instead. because- it's a different, it's a different type of sadness. It's a different type of sadness. It's yeah. easier because you can be mad at somebody instead right. of just being heartbroken for someone now right. multiple times over. Um, so apparently her father was Montgomery's youngest son, Stuart, who I like to think of as the good son, uh, who had found a note by his mother's bedside asking for, quote, forgiveness. Um, so the note had been kept secret within the family ever since then. Um, and she said that the reason that the family decided to come forward with the news was because they wanted to help lift some of the stigma surrounding mental illness so that people would go get help. Yeah. Um, and so she had said that Montgomery, like her husband, Ewan, had also suffered from severe depression and was especially isolated um, and struggled even much harder after Ewan's condition became worse. So that's unfortunate. Um, that's so sad. Yeah. However, and, by the way, I don't mean I wish that she had gotten murdered. I oh. just meant that that's sad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. Just for making sure everyone knows. I don't think anyone thought that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So, uh, however, there is a professor named Mary Rubio who is a leading authority on Montgomery and her work who offers a kind of different opinion. She thinks that the note, um, which was written on the back of a royalty statement dated two days before Montgomery's death, um, might not really be a suicide note. She thinks it could be the last page of a journal entry because Rubio co-edited Montgomery's multi-volume journals published between 1985 and 2004. She thinks that the number 176 written at the top of the note indicates that it was page 176 in a handwritten journal, which Montgomery would have intended to transcribe by typewriter because that was kind of how she, that was her custom. That's how she worked. Um, so she argued that the missing 175 pages, uh, which have still never been found, might have been taken by Montgomery's eldest son, Chester McDonald, the ne'er-do-well, who uh, apparently he lived in the Montgomery's basement and was very dependent on them and was very cruel and uh, even to his mom and, of course, made her mental health much worse. Oh, my so, God. Though we don't like Chester at all. Um, but Rubio, but the press professor, Mary Rubio also conceded that Montgomery was definitely suffering from, um, really intense psychological pain and that she had on top of her depression dependence, uh, developed a dependency on barbiturates. So that's very unfortunate. And that she had told a friend a month before her death that she quote, had no, had doubts she would still be there in a week, end quote. Oh. So that's Wait, sad. This is so sad. I did not I know. know this was going to be this sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, I, cause I saw some article titled, uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery's, uh, secret drug issue or something. And she did have a, an addiction to barbiturates, which I believe she was taking to try and manage her mental health. But of course it was making it worse because she was addicted to them. Um, yeah. so in the professor's biography, Lucy Maud Montgomery, the gift of wings, which was published in 2008, the professor wrote that Maud's, uh, quote, Maud's comment tips the evidence in the direction of a premeditated death by someone who was in the grip of a major depressive episode and may or may not have understood that she was dependent on drugs that were killing her end quote mm. so all that to say all of that really came out because the uh lucy Maud montgomery's family wanted people to be aware that there is help out there and please go get help if you are struggling and there's literally no shame in admitting that you're struggling and that doesn't make you abnormal everybody is struggling with stuff and some people's depression is much worse than others and it all deserves attention so that's um yeah Nobody, so be, nobody be afraid to speak out about that. There's plenty of people who want to help and want you to speak out. Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, the pretty wild, I felt like, life of Lucy Maud Montgomery. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Wow. And the good Canadian job. Encyclopedia really brought it as far as details go. <laughs> like, I did not have to hunt down details. They were just like, we got you. And I didn't even do <laughs> all of the stuff from the encyclopedia, just the highlights. <laughs> Well, maybe she's like Canada's Mark Twain, you know, like he's our yeah. guy. They're like, he's our girl. We've got yeah. all the deets, you know? Exactly. I think that's exactly what it was. Um, wow. That was good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so now we're going to get into the summary, which Spoons Yay. is going to give us. I love talking about it. This is going to be happier um, than that was. Not that yes. it wasn't informative and I enjoyed hearing it, but. <laughs> okay yeah so anyway uh okay so Anne of Green Gables basically how this begins is we have this kind of older brother and sister named Matthew and Marilla and their last name is Cuthbert and mm -hmm. they live um at Green Gables. I thought they were married for a long time <laughs> I just I just sister. missed the brother and sister thing until like <laughs> yeah. the end and I was like what 
<laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah they are they are not they are brother and sister Whoops. so um yeah they live at um in this house called green gables and it's um in Avonlea on prince edward island mm-hmm. and Avonlea is like a small town a beautiful name it is one of the best place names i've ever heard in my life Avonlea, yes. a-v-o-n-l-e-a like incredible yep. um and so Matthew and Marilla are, you know, kind of getting a little older. They're like, you know, like 60 about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Matthew, you know, does like all the farm chores and stuff. And they're like, maybe we should. This is kind of weird, but I guess it was an accepted thing. They're like, it maybe seems we to should be. <laughs> adopt a little orphan boy and he can help Matthew with the chores. And then we can, you know, raise him up proper and all that. So they're like, okay, great idea. And um, so they decide to do it. And uh, Matthew goes to collect their little orphan boy who they uh, sent word for at the train station. But it's not a little orphan boy. It's a little orphan girl. Her name is Anne Shirley. She Mm -hmm. is very skinny. She has red hair and she is absolutely wild. By that, I mean, she is extremely imaginative. She Mm -hmm. talks nonstop. Mm -hmm. She has like, she has such a galaxy brain, honestly. She does. She's, <laughs> she she is galaxy brain. No one has ever been more galaxy brain than Anne Shirley. It's so true. <laughs> and we love her, but she is crazy. You know, it's like she's wild. Um, whenever Emily and I watch the miniseries, we always joke about like, we should play a drinking game where we just drink every time Anne makes you want to drink. <laughs> Which is like everything is she says. Such a good idea. That's hysterical. You get just sloshed so fast. We America turning it. her into a drinking game. Thank you, Canada. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I love her to death, but you spend five <laughs> minutes with her and you're exhausted. You know, like yeah, it is not. that vibe. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, oh god, I need a drink. So anyway, <laughs> but so um. Anne is extremely excited because our poor girl has had a really rough life so far. She's 11 years old at this point and her parents both died when she was a baby. She never met them. She's basically grown up in like orphanages and like people's houses who just, you know, make her work for them basically and like bring up their kids for them. And she's had a really rough time of it. And so, and also because she has this huge personality, like, Mm-hmm. It's also not a great time for <laughs> kids with huge personalities because no, adults are not. always like, children should be seen and not heard, that kind of thing, you know? And so they're always like, <laughs> yes. shut up, Anne. Yep. And she doesn't really belong to anyone. She's never really had a home. Like, it's very sad. Yeah. But so, you know, so she ended up back at this orphanage. Um, and then the orphanage was like, okay, well, we'll send Anne. So she's super excited because she's basically like, I'm being adopted. Like, this is awesome. And when yeah. she gets, she like arrives in Prince Edward Island, of course, and is like, oh, this is the best place in the world. So yeah. Matthew is like, okay, well, I can't, I don't know how to tell her that we wanted a this boy This was a instead. mistake. Oh my Matthew God. Matthew is yeah. extremely shy. <laughs> um, so and he's terrified of women, especially <laughs> little girls. Like he is just like chilled to the bone. Like yes, I, he has like, no idea how to talk to them. Has no idea. Yeah. Yeah. He is such a sweet man. I love Matthew. Um, he is. He's a sweetheart. And so he's like, well, also, I mean, even if 
I could tell her I'm not going to just leave this little girl here. So I guess I'll take her yeah. home with me. And so he yeah. and <laughs> Anne go home and like the whole ride home. Anne is just talking, talking, talking nonstop. She's like talking about all the stuff they're seeing and kind of like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life and all of yeah. this. And Matthew is just like really getting like, like kind of taken with her because she's so yeah. funny and like sweet and makes him think about things <laughs> yeah so anyway it's a great and scene. he doesn't have this. to do any of the talking there's nope. no expectation for him to even reply <laughs> so true which is why they're such a great pair <laughs> yeah exactly he's like this is I did not know there was this was possible this is the ideal scenario <laughs> yes um so they get home and Marilla Cuthbert she is much stricter than Matthew very mm-hmm. uh she's very practical she's all business pretty pretty much and not touchy feely at all not touchy feely no she's a nice woman but she's Mm -hmm. very like you know practical and so she's like what the heck's going on like we wanted a little boy and poor Anne is just devastated of course like this would be so terrible imagine this it's awful I was like can you not have this conversation (laughs) not in front of her please I know (laughs) it's terrible and you know what like even I love Matthew and Marilla, but like even <laughs> Marilla is kind of horrible to this orphan. Like, why are people so horrible to orphans? I don't <laughs> in get it. Old books, like, I don't know. It's like it's not their fault. They it's it's the thing that you said about orphan. children. This was like long before people cared about children. Everyone was like, children yeah. are the worst. So yeah. obnoxious. They're like children, children have no dangerous. rights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely no rights. Basically, <laughs> literally none. <laughs> So everyone just feels very comfortable talking bad about Anne in front of her. So anyway, and to her, like and ugh, to her, these people are so rude. Poor Anne. I just can't believe that Canadians are all nice after this. Okay, <laughs> you're like, uh, I saw how they treated Anne Shirley. So actually, I'm not fooled, Canada. <laughs> um, and so Anne is, of course, so sad. But they're Amy and Marilla's like, okay, like it's fine. Like don't, we'll just to go sort it out tomorrow like we'll take care of you tonight that kind of thing but Anne is like oh please let me stay you know all of that yeah and so anyway they get through the night blah 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 the next day Marilla is going to like go back to the lady she requested the child from uh with Anne to kind of like sort it out but Mm -hmm. by this point even Marilla is kind of like liking Anne yeah <laughs> um, you can't not like Anne no I mean extremely likable <laughs> she is yeah and uh so they're going you know and also Anne told her like her whole tragic backstory and stuff mm-hmm. and so Marilla's like okay this sucks like I can't I don't feel good about giving this child back to this orphanage no. and so they arrive and she's kind of she's changed her mind at this point and she's like yeah okay maybe we'll let her stay and so, yeah. yeah, they basically are like, okay, you can stay with us in Green Gables. It's fine. We'll just get somebody else to help Matthew and yeah. you can help me and that kind of thing. And so Anne is overjoyed. Like this is of course the best yes. thing that's ever happened to her. And you're just so happy for her reading this, right? Yeah. Like, ugh. She's such like a grateful little kid and just yes. a person growing up. Like she's just constantly like talking about like how happy she is about stuff and thankful for <laughs> stuff and grateful for stuff. And I'm like, like she really embodies that thing. Like the first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning is say thanks for something. Yeah. Like she really embodies that, but it's who she is, which is, I'm just like, that's why you can't not love Anne. Even if you're yeah. like, well, she talks a lot and she's a little hyperactive. Like you can't <laughs> not love her. She's so no. just pure she's a wonderful person and she yeah. I love it because she grew up with nothing so she appreciates everything everything you know yeah, exactly. like she finds so much joy in like little things that other people overlook like oh what a beautiful 
vase of flowers like oh I love this tree I'm gonna name it that kind of thing yeah which is so like (laughs) so cute very Um, cute also very Kendall of her no (laughs) this is tea cabinet (laughs) this is tea cabinet (laughs) well see Anne would say that's not a very romantical name and she'd come up with something better no she wouldn't but no when nobody comes up with any romantical names anymore at all I think tea cabinet is pretty good I think you, I think you have some Anne Shirley energy, some major uh, Anne Shirley energy. I think, I think we, you know, it's, I try to embody a little Anne Shirley, not too much though. <laughs> she's a lot, but she's uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's great. So anyway, um, and I'm just, there's a lot of, basically this book is a lot of like little things that happen while Anne is growing up. So I'm not going to say yeah. everything that happens. Very slice of life it yeah. is. I'm going to hit on like the main things, I guess. Yeah. So basically Anne ends up, uh, meeting Diana Barry, who mm-hmm. is kind of the neighbor girl and Her bosom friends. Yes. And has always wanted a bosom friend. Mm-hmm. So Side like note. Um, my husband hates the word bosom. Apparently he thinks it's <laughs> disgusting. And so one of my favorite things to do is go, come here, babe, come lay your head on my bosom. And he's like, that's <laughs> disgusting. Stop saying that to me. Like he's so upset by it. That's and I'm disgusting. <laughs> I'm so confused. I think bosom is kind of a funny word we don't use very much anymore, yeah. but I just was like, what is disgusting about this? <laughs> like I've heard the language you use and you think bosom's disgusting. Anyways, Diana is her bosom friend. That is really funny. Made me snicker. <laughs> yeah, it is a funny phrase. Like we would never say it now, you know, but it's funny. You're my bosom friend, wife. I guess we are bosom friends. Like we are bosom love friends. This for us. I like it. Let's bring back bosom friends. It's nice to have a bosom friend. Everyone should have one. This is, we need a t-shirt that says bosom just straight (laughs) over the boobs. It literally say bosom on one boob and then friends on the other. And then you you can wear one and I can wear one. (laughs) That would be so funny. Like just a little treat for the Anne of Green Gables fans. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. I love it. If so I saw cute. a person wearing that, I would freak out. Personally. That'd be adorable. And on the back, it can have like the arrows that point to the other person's shirt and it can say like, uh, like I'm Anne or she's Anne, she's Diana oh, or something cute like cute. that. She's Anne with an E. She's Diana. Yes. Oh, <laughs> they are the sweetest friends. I they mean, are. like, and it's very funny to me because Diana is more of a passive personality really like mm-hmm. and so she Anne and Diana meet and like uh, Anne is immediately like will you be my bosom friend basically and Diana's, Diana's like, like sure, sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they you know and Diana's so beautiful and she has raven black hair and she's mm-hmm. very fashionable her family mm-hmm. seems a little more well off and um yeah, Diana's just very nice, very sweet. And so she and yeah. Anne become friends like immediately. And they, and Anne just drops her into all of her like imaginings and they like come up with all sorts of things. Like they yeah. rename stuff together and like have they're little, so good at that. They're Anne very is so cute. good at that. Anne is great at coming up with names. Um, <laughs> and so that Diana's her bosom friend. And then there's like this whole little part where I, which I hate where Marilla thinks that Anne lost her like amethyst brooch. But she didn't, but mm-hmm. she thinks she did. And Anne confesses to it because Marilla's like, you are not allowed to go to the church pi- uh, picnic. Because she's you so confess. excited about. Yeah. Yes. And she's been so excited because there's going to be ice cream there and like everyone's going to be there. And it's like, yeah. she's never had a fun party like this before. Yeah. And so Anne, in her, in her little Anne brand, she's like, okay, if I confess, 
she'll let me go. And so yeah. she comes up with the best confession she can make up. And yeah. of course, Marilla is like, how could you do this to me? Like you are definitely yeah. not going to the thing now. Picnic, yeah. And so poor Anna's like devastated, of course, but then Marilla ends up finding the brooch and realizes mm-hmm. that Anne didn't lose it. And so she's like, why would you do that? And Anne is like, well, you told me to confess and then I could go. <laughs> so Marilla and Anne kind of have to have like a understanding of like each other, like, okay, this is what's going on. Yeah. And Marilla feels bad about it, of course. And so yeah. anyway, Anne has a great time at the picnic. Then Anne gets, uh, oh, another little misadventure from the beginning is uh, Rachel Lind is the, like their other next door neighbor, basically, and she is a character. She she's opens kind of the, the book by being a snoop. Like she's basically, for some reason, she's the one that we start the book in, like in her perspective. Yes, she spies Matthew going across the road. Like, and she's yeah. like, "What is Matthew Cuthbert doing at this time of day? Going to Carmody or whatever?" Yeah, and she's like, "This is not like him." And so then that's when Marilla tells her that they're mm-hmm. getting Anne, but um or an orphan boy <laughs> but yeah she's such a snoop and so basically and she's so like <laughs> she's one of those people who's like what I'm just being blunt but really they just mean they like to be rude and they yes. pretend like it's a nice thing about their yes. personality <laughs> yeah she's one of those people <laughs> and yep. so she uh she, when she first meets Anne the like first words out of her mouth are oh she's such an ugly skinny little thing basically and like look at yeah. that hair yeah and Anne is so self-conscious about her red hair yeah uh, because it's like apparently a very bad thing to have red hair. And apparently so she she's like, like she just thinks it's hideous and I'm like, like girl you've been blessed and she's I know cannot. yeah and now it's like oh red hair wow cool but you know yeah. I guess back then it was very ugly <laughs> and so she's like so upset about this and Anne has a temper as well and so she's yes. like how would you like me to tell you that you're fat and ugly basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh so she gets in trouble for that of course but Marilla is also gonna like okay Rachel you shouldn't have teased her about her hair like yeah. which is sweet because already Matthew and Marilla are like taking her side and things it's um, very sweet and so um, that this is sort of another thing where Anne has she like basically is like I'm never apologizing I could never do that like she's very dramatic all the time and so (laughs) Matthew's like can you just apologize a little bit because I miss you downstairs and you're not allowed to leave your room until you apologize and so she's like Uh, okay for you Matthew I'd do it she considers Matthew a kindred spirit and Anne is very big on kindred spirits which is is so cute um and so she decides she's going to make it the best apology of all time so she gets very dramatic about it and of course Rachel Lynn thinks like oh wow but Marilla's like oh god she made it into something fun (laughs) this is supposed to be a punishment (laughs) so she ends up apologizing and then there's kind of like you know uh, a little bit of an antagonistic friendship between Anne and Rachel I would say like yeah you know whatever (laughs) she gets they get along after yes that, they do which is sweet but yeah. um, Rachel starts to like her more and more like she definitely yeah, yeah she starts to like her more it's just yeah she's and just on everybody woman. eventually yes um so then we get I'm just gonna skip I Anne starts going to school um mm-hmm. and she you know likes going to school she ends up making she gets to be pretty popular I guess with the kids yeah. at school like they like her mm-hmm. and uh there is a boy at school named Gilbert Blythe who mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite like, I have such a oh my god he's the cutest boy in the whole world he's such a Kendall crush he is he's barely in this book listen when you watch it. the miniseries 
the miniseries fleshes him out entirely. Okay. And I think we talked about this last time, but the like when they're watching it in New Girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever. She said CZ's like, listen, I love Schmidt. You know I love Schmidt, but I would throw it all away for Gilbert. I would ruin my life <laughs> like for, for that, that boy. boy. <laughs> I've like, always laughed at that. I have never related to something more. That is the feeling you get when you watch Gilbert. I know. And she was one, and then Jess Jess was saying she's like like why like why like why are Gilbert's lips so sexual? I was like what? He is the perfect Ugh. boy. Like the thing about Gilbert is he's extremely kind. He's very generous, but he's got a mischievous little streak in him. Like he's kind of you know he's like a sweetheart boy, but mm-hmm. he you know he can play like. Yeah. He's not like so angelic that he doesn't know how to tease you or like have fun. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Not at all. <laughs> In fact, that's no. how he makes an envy of Anne for the majority yeah. of the book. Exactly. <laughs> so uh yeah. This was not a great moment for our boy Gilbert, but no. it's funny. It's a funny way to introduce the character, I think, because yeah. like later on you're like, oh my god. So anyway, Gilbert. Oh, and I have to say, the Gil- the boy that he play that plays Gilbert in the new series well it's over now but Anne with an e Mm -hmm. is the cutest boy in the entire world like he is so sweet in that when you watch that you're just immediately like okay Gilbert Blythe is the best boy who ever lived like the the Anne with an e Gilbert and miniseries Gilbert are slightly different in that Anne with an E Gilbert has genuinely never done anything wrong in his life ever. And he's the nicest, sweetest, kindest boy you'll ever meet in your life. Mm -hmm. Mini series Gilbert, you know, you mess around, you find out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) they're both good boys. Anyway, it's just very funny. Oh my Um, God. They're definitely both Kendall boys. uh yeah they're like anybody boys like this is also your time period i'm realizing everything about this is very much spoons thing this (laughs) is everything to me okay like oh my gosh Um, i feel like i understand you so much better now that i've read this book oh wow okay that's making me nervous because i feel like you didn't love it good book I did I liked it very much okay okay I just I can totally see this book's influence on you in all of like the sweet beautiful ways not no negative ways no sarcasm (laughs) here I'm glad thank you I I will say this I didn't read this book until like I was in college and Mm -hmm. I only read it because I started watching Anne with an E like and then I had seen the miniseries so I will admit this is not a childhood book for me although I wish it had been yeah um but that's why I feel weird sometimes saying I have a crush on Gilbert, but it's that I know young Kendall would have had a crush on Gilbert. Yeah, exactly. Plus when you watch the miniseries, he gets older, so it's okay. Yeah, um, and you'd have a crush on older Gilbert. We all know. Listen, we all know. <laughs> nobody's saying that it's okay to have a crush on children. I'm nobody actually a crush has a crush on children. <laughs> yeah. None of it works. But no. he's a crush-worthy boy is what I'm saying. Yes. yes okay, yes, yes. there we go. Uh, so in case anyway. anyone was worried. <laughs> yeah don't worry I'm not creepy so so we're uh, not into cousin lovers we're not into weirdly having crushes on like 15 year old boys that's just not our thing things we're not into yeah Yeah, we get it add those to the list (laughs) (laughs) um so sorry my cats are sleeping in front of me and they look so cute um they're like sleepy girls but 
okay sorry i spent too much time talking about gilbert but i feel it was necessary um anyway so you're like it was not but okay so (laughs) no 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 i was just like the fact that kendall would say i feel like it was necessary i was like that's exactly it's just so kendall of you to say that it's also so the i did not realize uh shout out to our listener girlfriend catherine um she is like an agg hardcore like fan like she went to like this convention with other hardcore Anna Green Gables fans and so I just the fact that you said that I was like I feel like there's a whole community of people who would agree with you wholeheartedly (laughs) and like she was saying that she thought she was a really hardcore fan and then she went to this convention and she said that like people would like hardcore shame you if you didn't have like the right AGG opinion (laughs) and I was like oh my god I want to go to this convention, but also I I know know they'd put me to shame and they'd hate me, but like, I want to be one of them. I know that's exactly what Catherine said. (laughs) You guys are so funny. I've seen the miniseries a bunch of times and they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, and get in line. Everyone has. Yeah. (laughs) They'd be like, have you seen the silent movie version? I know. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. I'll just leave. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah okay so to gilbert so basically gilbert is like the cutest boy in school you know and he's like two years older than Anne and diana so they're like 11 he's like 13 i guess um and so but he kind of immediately has a little crush on Anne. like it's very obvious he thinks like there's something about Anne, you know and so he does that thing where he like is mean to her (laughs) to get her attention basically and um so he can't get her attention and so he pulls on her hair her red hair mm-hmm. and calls her carrots yeah which is mean and yes. Anne, but it's also the thing Anne is the absolute most sensitive about he could not have picked a worse thing to do to get no. her attention no like absolutely this was the worst thing he could have possibly done and so Anne, furious turns around and cracked her uh blackboard over his head <laughs> and <laughs> screams at him in front of everybody in the class yes and i so like he- this i enjoyed this <laughs> it is so iconic i it mean is. this is like the scene you know and so Anne, of course gets in trouble and gil tries to be like oh it's my fault but you know whatever yeah. and gets in trouble mm-hmm. and she devows to always hate gilbert Blythe from now on yeah and she boy, really holds to that until like oh, the last two pages <laughs> yeah boy oh boy does our man mean it like she knows exactly what she's about uh-huh. um and so <laughs> yeah it's bad okay. so anyway uh yeah she hates gilbert Blythe now even though he's the cutest boy in school and everybody likes him mm-hmm. she's like he's the worst boy i've ever met in my life yeah, she's and like I... don't even talk to me about him don't even she, say his name com- to me yeah she completely ignores him doesn't want to talk about him ever mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and this is just so funny anyway Except so she decides she's going to compete with him like in her head she like mm-hmm. kind of secretly competes with him for like best grade in the class yeah always from here on out like he doesn't even know but like she considers him her <laughs> ultimate rival <laughs> yes and it's because they're both the smartest kids in class and so they always mm-hmm. get the best grades and she's like yeah. i cannot lose to gilbert Blythe because i hate yes. him you know yep yep and so <laughs> yeah it's great um and so then we have uh trying to think of another big thing that happens oh uh i'll just get to this one so Anne and diana are gonna have a tea party and uh marilla is like being nice to Anne, and she's like okay you can like use this and this 
I'm going to be out for the afternoon. You can invite Diana over and I'll let you, you know, have some of the nice food we have and you can have raspberry cordial. And Anne's like, all right, this is going to be the best thing ever. Cause you know, this is a very fun thing to do to have a tea party with your bestie. Yeah. And so Diana comes over and they're very funny and like proper about it. Cause they're kind of like yeah. acting like they're grown up women, you know, it's very yeah. cute. It and is. so she, uh, Anne goes and gets the raspberry cordial is not in the place where Marilla tells her it's going to be. It's like farther up in the back of the pantry. And she's like, oh, yeah. okay, this must be it. <laughs> yeah. And so she gives Diana this raspberry cordial and Diana has like four glasses of it. And she's like, this is, doesn't taste like any raspberry cordial I've ever had. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And then she starts feeling really, really sick. And she's like, I got to go home. <laughs> Turns yep. out it was not raspberry cordial. It was current wine that Marilla had made. Yes. And Diana is drunk. <laughs> This was so, I was so stressed for Anne. I was like, oh no. It's so bad, but it's like really funny at the same time. It is. Like anyone with a sense of humor could see that it's funny. Like, you know, after like the initial shock. Yes. Yes, A complete accident. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but Mrs. Barry does not see it that way. And she thinks, of course, because Anne is like this scrawny little orphan girl, that Anne must have done it on purpose. And now Diane is not allowed to play with Anne anymore, which is so sad because like Diana is like everything to Anne at this point, you know? Yeah. Her bosom friend. And yeah. yeah. So it's very, very sad. And Marilla is even mad about it. And she's like that, that, you know, that, um, that Mrs. Barry is the worst and all this. So anyway, very sad. So for like a couple of months, Anne and Diana, like do not speak because, Mrs. Barry would get so mad. Yeah. But then um Minnie May, Diana's little sister, uh, there's a, like this part where people like the all most of the adults go off to like this political convention thing. Mm-hmm. And uh Diana runs over in the snow and is like, and you've got to help Minnie May's uh got croup. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And she like, we don't know what to do and all this. But yeah. Anne, because she has um like raised so many children basically for all yeah. these people that she stayed with knows exactly what to do so she goes mm-hmm. over and saves Minnie May's life before the yep. doctor can get there basically like she mm-hmm. is the reason she's not dead yep which is so cool I love this for Anne it and is. so then of course Mrs. Barry is like oh I'm so sorry like you're actually a good person I see that now blah 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 thanks yeah. for saving my daughter's life so yes. good for Anne she did it now she has her bosom friend back and then they get to go to like this Christmas ball thing together. And like, mm-hmm. that's really fun. Uh, so great for them. And then um, I think this is the part when they are really excited because <laughs> the, Mrs. Barry is going to let them like go to this party and then come back home and stay in the spare room, yes. which is a very fun thing for Anne for some mm-hmm. reason. I, yeah, this, I still don't know why. I don't know. But she's very I don't excited. Get it. The yeah. sparest of spare rooms later, Miss Josephine says. So anyway, they uh, are really excited. But then when they get home, uh, Diana's Aunt Josephine has come over and they accidentally jump on her because she's staying in the spare room. And they didn't look and they didn't know she was in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so they get in a lot of trouble. And Aunt Josephine is like, those terrible children, blah, blah, blah. And she's such a sick in the mud. But yeah. then you find out that she's actually 
maybe a kindred spirit after all, because Anne goes to talk to her and explain basically what happened. And mm-hmm. she kind of like wins her over. And then you find yeah. out Anne Josephine can hang, you know, she can. Be yeah. And too. she just loves Anne again. Yes. Everybody loves Anne, especially yes. like the old, like these like elderly kind of stick in the mud people who were like, I don't, I don't believe in fun or children. And yeah. they're like, but that Anne girl send yeah. her over here to talk to me. I like her. <laughs> she's so entertaining (laughs) yeah it's exactly what it's exactly because she's entertaining yes so then Anne Josephine ends up being like really nice and like she'll send Anne presents for Christmas and all this and Mm -hmm. she like talks to her all the time so that's a fun connection to have uh then I'm trying to think of any like the other big things that happen in the middle uh there's a puff sleeve dress oh the puff sleeves okay so Anne has been Basically, Marilla keeps Anne in these very boring, very dull outfits because that's the practical thing to do. But Anne is so like such a dreamer and, you know, very romantical mm-hmm. and all this. And so she would absolutely die to have a pretty dress like yeah. all the other girls wear. But Marilla says no. Nope. So Anne's always in these ugly dresses. But Matthew, <laughs> bless his heart, loves Anne and spoils her all the time. Like he wants to spoil her. But mm-hmm. Marilla has been in charge of her keep like of her uh, upbringing yeah upbringing yeah and so he kind of doesn't get a lot of a say but he christmas is coming up and he realizes oh Anne doesn't have pretty things like the other girls so he mm-hmm. just gets it in his head he's gonna get Anne a puff a dress with puff sleeves which is what she keeps talking about yeah it's so <laughs> sweet <laughs> and it's very sweet so he has like the worst time though going to get this dress because he um is so anxious he all can't the time. talk to women <laughs> So he goes to this like store where he thinks that uh, this guy that he knows will be like running the store, but instead it's this like new shop lady. And so yeah. he like absolutely loses it and he doesn't know what to do. He, he buys 20 pounds of brown sugar and leaves. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. But then he ends up getting help from Rachel and, mm-hmm. and she helps and they get in this nice pretty dress with puff sleeves and lace and all of this. And yeah. it's like the best Christmas present Anne's ever had. And she's it's so, so happy and it's so sweet. And she's like kind of growing up and like, she might be like 13, 12 or 13 at this point. So yeah. I don't know, but good for her. So yeah, nice, fun things like that. Um, I'm trying to think there's a part where, oh, they get a new teacher uh miss stacy uh-huh. um and Anne loves miss stacy she's like really cool and better than their old teacher who was creepy and weird um, he was so weird <laughs> i did not like that man at all no i did not like him no. but um miss stacy is super nice and uh Anne immediately loves her they also get like a new minister and Anne loves yes. the minister's wife ah she's wonderful wants to be just like <laughs> so sweet it's really sweet um and so there's all sorts of misadventures and it's always getting into scrapes basically. Um, just not really. Yeah. She's just always like her mind's wandering and she'll yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. She falls um, off a roof and breaks her leg. Oh yeah. <laughs> because she the dared. girl dared her to walk because they were all daring each other as a game. I like the way they were like, and the game that was popular with the children at that point, because you know, like as a kid, there are like, there you go through periods where like one game is really popular for yeah. some reason. And it was yeah. dares. Daring people was really popular. And yeah. so they're daring each other to like balance on stuff and like walk the fence post. And then one of the girls, Josie Pike, who was just, I just don't like her at all. She's just Josie awful. Pie is like the one we don't like. <laughs> she is like the worst. She's like the mean girl of Avonlea. <laughs> she 
is the mean girl of Avonlea. Ugh, she's so frustrating. But anyway, she dares uh, Anne basically says like she could walk the roof pole or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Josie's like, no one can do that. And, and Anne is like, well, I knew someone who could. And then Josie's like, well, then I dare you. And Anne's like, well, I've committed. And so, <laughs> so she she tries to and falls off the roof and breaks her leg. Yep. <laughs> and then she's laid up for like a month or something. And yeah. she gets really close with the minister's wife who comes to visit her, which is sweet. But yeah, oh my goodness. it's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that happens to Anne all the time. This is. And it was like, there's, there's this part in the book where Marilla says something like, I had suspected we were due for another scrape of yours because it had been a while and you'd been very good. And I just knew you were about to get into some kind of trouble. <laughs> it had been too uh, long. Yes, I think that was when she dyes her hair, which is another yes. one of her big mistakes. Ugh. So she's still still so self-conscious about her hair. But this like traveling peddler guy shows up and she buys this hair dye from him. And it's so funny the way she says it in the miniseries. She says, he's holding it with dye and a beautiful raven black. <laughs> she's like crying. But it doesn't, oh, of so course. Sad. It turns it like a hideous green it's disgusting and so her hair is like green and nasty and marilla is like oh my god so basically (laughs) Anne can't go anywhere and then they end up having to just cut it all off so now Anne has short hair (laughs) it's really funny (laughs) but she's like this will teach me never to be vain again (laughs) ridiculous very funny um then there's the part where she they're they're doing like a dramatic reading of the lily maid or something yeah called? some i don't know something and like that so Anne is basically having to pretend to be dead in this boat and they're just gonna like push her off and then like meet her at the end mm-hmm. so they can like do the dramatic yeah so anyway yeah it's, it's a very funny thing and but then the boat gas brings a leak and so she <laughs> is stranded in the middle of the river on like this weird thing and gilbert is of course the one who comes by mm-hmm. and is like has to help her Yep. And, and she's she... like, I, I hate this situation <laughs> so much, but I have no other option. It's so... Oh God. And so, and so then poor Gilp this whole time, like there's been little moments where he's trying to kind of get back into her good graces, like, but she will have none of it. And so Absolutely he kind of like of pays some special attention to her. Like he clearly has a huge crush on her. And mm-hmm. I think part of it is because like, she's the only one who doesn't give him the time of day. <laughs> She hates him. Like, she hates like him. hates him so yeah. much. And he's like, oh my God, I'm in love with her. <laughs> oh, so, what is that? Which um, is so weird. So uh he's like, Anne, can't we please be friends? Like, I'm really sorry. This was like two years ago, by the way, that he said yes. the thing about her hair. And yes. she's like refuses mm-hmm. to budge. She's, for and a second, like, she's like, that'd be nice. Then she's like, actually no I won't <laughs> forgive you I'd rather I'm gonna die hating I'd you absolutely die. not <laughs> yeah and so then he's kind of like fed up and he's like fine and so he decides he's gonna hate her too <laughs> so then neither of them speak to each other at all and they both oh, are God. active parts of the rivalry the academic rivalry yes which is a funny development I think so anyway it was yeah the rest you know they're all like oh my god and we thought you were drowned and she's like no and it's like very embarrassing so that's okay. yeah <laughs> Then uh, basically Miss Stacy is like starting up, um, they're getting older and she, uh, Anne is going to like take the entrance exam for this uh, 
like Queens for Queens College, which is basically like this program where you could like go, go to like be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so like only like kind of like some of the kids in the class are going to do it. And Diana's not going to do it because her parents don't want her to go to college. Yeah. And all of this. But and M- Matthew and Marilla have both been very supportive and they're like, they want like the best for Anne all the time. And yeah. so Anna's like, how are we can we afford that? And she, they're like, listen, we're going to do everything we can for you because we love you so much and all that, which is very, so very sweet. sweet. Yeah. Um, and so Anne is going to like this, you know, the after school classes and stuff. And then they end up doing the, uh, she goes and takes the entrance exam and uh, she, is this part where she and Gilbert tie for like, yes, for the they scholarship, both the highest score. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, there's like two things. So like they tie for that. And oh, that's right. Yes, they gets do. In, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So they yeah. all then they end up going to Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's this Avery scholarship thing, which is basically like whoever has like the highest like English grades, I guess, are gets mm-hmm. to go to like a like a longer program mm-hmm. university type thing. Yeah. And so, uh, they're like, it's always like this thing of like, oh, who's going to win it. And Anne is kind of like regretting being mean to Gilbert now. <laughs> she's like, maybe we could have been friends. Like, yeah, I wish we had kind of been friends because <laughs> she's realizing like they have a lot in common. Like they're yeah. both really smart and like yeah, and the I, same things. Yeah. Somebody said something about how, uh, talking with Gilbert is like talking with Anne Shirley and she just yes. can't make any sense. But and I was like, oh my God, they've yes. wasted so much time. And at some point, Anne or Gilbert says a thing about like, oh, maybe that was a while. Like, anyway, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea that Gilbert and Anne would be good friends, but she's kind of ruined it. So anyway, so she ends up getting the Avery scholarship and he gets like the gold medal or whatever. So like they Mm -hmm. both do really well and it's good for them. Yeah. Uh, But then she gets to go to her college, but then she goes home. And Matthew and Marilla are both kind of like in bad health now. Like they're getting older. Matthew's had some heart problems. Marilla has like, she can't see very well anymore and it's giving her headaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then Matthew ends up dying and it's really, really, really sad. Yes, (laughs) it is. um, It's like this thing where, yeah, he has a heart attack and just dies. And so it's like they're Marilla and Anne are both like completely distraught, of course, like Mm -hmm. sweet Matthew. Um, and so Anne decides like, I'm not going to go off to college. I'm going to stay here and like get a teaching job and I'm going to help take care of Marilla because, you know, Marilla is also can't see very well. And yeah, now Matthew's dead. And so Anne yeah. feels like the doctor to told Marilla that if she keeps like sewing and reading and doing stuff that strains her eyes, she's going to go blind like yeah. really soon. So awful. Anne feels like she has to stay. Yeah. And so Anne decides to do that. Um, but she but Gilbert has already been offered the teaching job at um, Avonlea. Avonlea. So she has to go like to, she would have to like go to Carmody to do it. So yeah. anyway, it's like this whole thing. But then Gilbert gives up his spot in Avonlea so that she can take it and stay with Marilla. And he has, and now he's going to White Sands to board there and teach there, it's which so is sweet. so sweet. <laughs> it's so nice. And so that's kind of where it ends yeah and um yeah and it's like 
the nicest thing ever. Yeah. So then Anne they basically, and Rilla yeah. are going to stay in Avonlea. Yeah. yeah. And Anne and Gilbert basically have like a conversation where they're like, well, let's just be friends now and we can talk more. And they end up like talking at the gate for like half an hour. And Merlo's yeah. like, what could you have possibly been talking, talking to Gilbert Blythe about for half an hour? And so it's like, yes, they're obviously going to get together in the future. <laughs> it took them long enough. You know, oh, I forgot to mention because Marilla, the, the thing that kind of changes Anne's mind is that Marilla admit, mm-hmm. tells Anne that she used to have a thing with Gilbert's dad, yep. which is like, what? When you find yeah. out. And so, but then she messed it up because she wouldn't forgive him for something. And then yep. he ended up marrying somebody else. And now Marilla has been not with anybody her whole life. And so yep. she basically tells Anne the story without really moralizing about it, but just kind of telling her. And yeah. Anne is like, oh, I can't do the same thing. Like I can't yeah. make the same mistake. And so that's when she kind of decides to forgive Gilbert. And it, yeah, yeah crazy. It's wonderful. It's so good. I uh, love it. That's Anne of Green Gables. It's a, it's a very, very, very good book. Oh my God. <laughs> I know you wanted me to like it and I did like it, so. It's okay if you just tell me your honest opinion, you know, you know, I really like did it. like it. I reading it. I said this before, I think on uh, maybe the scripturian society, because uh, spoons guessed it on our sister podcast, the scripturian society for writers. You guys should, should go check it out. Mm. Um, but she guessed it on our 50th episode extravaganza. And uh, I mentioned on there that reading this book, like in book form for some reason was like hard for me, but the audiobook I just like soared right through, but still like mm-hmm. retained most of it and really enjoyed it. So I just loved this in audiobook form and it made me go, maybe I should watch the miniseries again. I think I've only seen parts of it. So yes, we should do it. Can I watch it with you? <laughs> yes, you can. Can I watch it with you? Of course you can. Yes, you can. We can do that. And then we could have like, uh, we could, we could do it when the pumpkins are growing. And then we could have like our fall pumpkin photo shoot. <laughs> yes. Cottage, Cottage core, core in honor of Anne Shirley core. I love it. <laughs> Anne Shirley core. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, well, what were your favorite and least favorite parts of this book? Ugh, it's just like so hard because I love the whole book. Um, yeah. So favorites though, I don't know. I, there are some like iconic moments that I just love, but, um, I think one of my favorites is when Anne gets her puff sleeve dress. Um, yes. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention it, but I was really proud of her when she, um, did her like recitation at the like white sands uh-huh. like concert thing and yeah i just so proud of Anne. like all the yeah. times when she does something really good and i'm like good for you honey i know like i love those parts um uh yeah i don't know i also love when gil gives up his spot for her that's so, so sweet. sweet yeah um least favorite parts when marilla thinks ansel the amethyst brooch and then yeah. when matthew dies those are my least favorite parts. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think my favorite part, I, I love the way that Anne names everything. It makes me mm-hmm. really happy. It makes me want to like name everything. Um, yes. so that's definitely a favorite part. Um, I'm trying to think there was, I like, I love the, the boat leaking incident. The whole, <laughs> that whole thing is hysterical to me. It's really so funny. <laughs> I think that might be my other favorite part. Least favorite <laughs> part is when Matthew died. Cause it was so awful and tragic that, and also at the very beginning where Marilla and Matthew in front of new orphan, Anne are like, you're not a boy, we can't keep you. Yeah. And she, I was like, that's so cruel. Um, so I think <laughs> those are my two least favorite parts. Uh, what about favorite and least favorite characters? Uh, I mean, favorite characters, 
gotta be Anne. I mean, yeah. she's the main character. Yeah. Um, least favorite character. I don't even know. Like Josie even, Pie. <laughs> I guess Josie Pie. Like she's not the worst mean girl ever, but she's clearly like she's not obnoxious. Really that nice to Anne. So yeah. It just depends on the day, I guess, whenever. <laughs> um, so maybe Josie, but uh oh no, I changed my mind. Um I don't like uh all of the adults who are mean to Anne. <laughs> I don't like that lady who wanted to take Anne and was just like, well, oh, yeah, I guess gross. she's a hard worker. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, screw you. She's a little girl. Yeah, sorry, mad. children are not laborers for hire. Yeah, literally without so pay, so not even for hire. And also, yeah, maybe her that lady. Yeah. <laughs> she came to mind as well. I think, yeah, favorite character, Anne, but honorary mentions from Matthew and Marilla in very yes. different ways. Like, they're just such wonderful characters. Great um, characters. Yeah. Least favorite character, Josie Pye and the woman who tried to adopt Anne from Marilla, like yeah. you said. She was just, ugh. But also, like, all of, oh! like, Anne's former people, but they weren't really in the book. I forgot. Okay, I changed my mind. Josie Pye, you get a pass, because maybe you'll grow out of it, but... The teacher, Mr. Phillips. Oh, I hate Mr. Phillips. Yeah, add him. He's garbage. Yeah. He's a garbage man. Very gross man. He is. And mean. He's he's gross and mean. He, he's mean and he's like all into his student. Hitting. Like, ew, gross. All like hitting on his student. Ugh. Nasty. And he Don't only like got it because of nepotism. So he's not even yeah. a good teacher. So. <laughs> Wait, you said it. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's so funny um let's see what else what did we learn from this book oh so many things i think we learned the extraordinary and the ordinary yes (laughs) appreciate the things around you you know yeah and uh we learned you shouldn't be mean to orphans it's not their fault okay yeah what the heck at least don't be be mean mean to them children yeah being an orphan like find (laughs) another personality flaw you know find another thing to be mean about what the heck god um Um, i think we learned oh holding grudges not a good idea you know yes you might accidentally hold a grudge against the love of your life yes (laughs) you might miss out on a good friendship yeah uh i really enjoyed the grudge i mean it is pretty funny i was just impressed with her fortitude (laughs) i was like I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go up against this girl. And I would not bet against her than any U.S. Marine to like still hold a grudge against Gilbert Blythe, Gilbert. the cutest boy in school. Are you kidding me? Like, yes, I would not have yeah. the strength. So funny. And I forgot. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, never mind. We won't bring it up. But um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what's another one? Oh, I think another sweet one is um there are more kindred spirits out there than you think at first glance and when and gets the time to like know people better she's yeah. like there are kindred spirits spirit. you know? it's true like a lot of the people that she starts out saying are not kindred spirits then she ends up kind of just getting thrown together by fate with them and gets to know them and then she's like it turns out they were a kindred spirit after all yeah and it's so nice which is so funny because if she had just not held a grudge against Gilbert, she would have had the exact same experience there. Because I know. Yeah. Because overall, Anne isn't really a grudge holder. I mean, she does kind of hold a grudge against Gilbert and Josie, but like that's 
it's weird. Like these, these adults who are mean to her, she doesn't hold a grudge against any of them. And a lot of them end up like falling just in love with her and she's all their kindred spirits. But for some reason, Gilbert and Josie, she's like (laughs) unacceptable. Maybe it's because they're peers and she like refuses to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, if she had only forgiven Gilbert. Oh, it's okay. it, had, it had to happen at its own time it's yeah you know what they're gonna be fine those crazy kids those crazy kids oh, the just stuff that happens okay so anyway oh don't you don't dye your hair if you are getting your hair dye from a you know dubious source okay yes. do your research and miscellaneous peddler <laughs> yeah aka wish.com <laughs> It's true. Funniest <laughs> thing you could have said. <laughs> and buy her hair dye from wish.com. Oh, God. <sighs> How do I do it? She did, though. I mean, like, she really did. Ooh, oh, God, that's rough. That's funny. I dyed my hair green once, just at the tips on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Ooh. I would say Anne would approve, except that I don't think she would because she was mortified by her green hair. <laughs> she was. It was absolutely not intentional, though, you know? No, not at all. Poor I thing. feel like Anne would find some nice way to compliment it, though. She'd be like, oh, it's very much of a, a dry up thing to do. Like, she'd be yes, like, so exactly. <laughs> and then because someone else did it and liked it, she would probably be like, now I have to do it, too, because she's very much into following the trends. <laughs> she she does love it's so cute and she's like it's just so interesting to be into fashion don't you think Diane? <laughs> it's so cute oh, she's so she's so, so pure cute. and sweet uh well, what about favorite things. quotes she does oh yeah. my god well this book is like the most quotable like it is full with wonderful quotes um I, I don't even is. have the time to like there's just so many. I could pick almost anything from any page, but I know I have two that I kind of wanted to say. Um, this one I just love. It's just so sweet. Dear old world, Anne murmured, you are very lovely and I'm glad to be alive in you. <laughs> it's so sweet. I know. It's a good one. And then here's this other one. Uh, that one's kind of like all time faith, but this one, I don't know why, like something was going on with me, I guess, <laughs> but I was listening. <laughs> the audiobook and uh I had totally forgotten about this but it's just like one of Anne's little musings you know like everything she says is like this but yeah this one made me cry for some reason I just immediately burst into tears oh but she's talking of like I think it's spring has just come around and she's um talking to uh Marilla about like how beautiful all the flowers are mm-hmm. and she's talking about May flowers and how she feels bad for people who don't have them and how it's like they're the most beautiful flowers and yeah. she says do you know what I think Mayflowers are, Marilla? I think they must be the souls of the flowers that died last summer, and this is their heaven. Ah, it's so How beautiful! Sweet is that? Oh, it's so beautiful. She's oh. just so good at seeing beautiful things. It's crazy. I know, and it makes me happy. I know. Like I do wish we all were so much better at seeing beautiful things. Ugh, made me cry. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> what are yours? Um, I again, I had like three I was gonna pick from, but I'm gonna. I ended up picking like a longer one as my favorite one. It's just I says again. This is my season thing, and here's a little bit of my my pining for fall. The quote is: 
It was November, the month of crimson sunsets, parting birds, deep, sad hymns of the sea, passionate wind songs in the pines. Anne roamed through the Pineland alleys in the park and, as she said, let that great great sweeping wind blow the fogs out of her soul. I love that. That's exactly how I feel. Like when you just stand in like an autumn breeze, you're like, oh, I just feel like completely refreshed. Like all of everything else is just swept out of you in that like autumn wind and everything is wonderful and beautiful. Wow. I definitely never appreciate the world more than in the fall. So yes. That, that whole so quote was just, ugh, ugh, I love it so See, much. Lucy is such a good writer. Like she knows she how is. to like, oh, she's so good. Just evoke I, the thing, like real life experiences. Yes. Yeah. And she'll just like have these, like, she'll make Anne have these like little lines where you're like, I've never thought of it like that, but I agree. Yeah, but like, I agree. Exactly. What's the one that uh, made me think of this when you're talking about fall, but Anne says something like, I'm so glad we live in a world where there are Octobers. Yes. That was another <laughs> one of the ones that I almost picked. Did I keep it? Oh yeah. That's exactly it. I'm so glad I live in a world where there are Octobers. That's it. It's so, so good. Cause you're like Obviously, me too. <laughs> I'm so like fall ready, but yeah, exactly. She's like, so this is the thing we all experience, but I'm going to show you how beautiful it is that you, that we experience this. And it's so true and nice. And also it just made me be like, can I have fall now? I'm ready for fall. <laughs> yeah. Where is it? I need my cleansing autumn breeze. I need it <laughs> to now. Wash the fog out of your soul. Or I need whatever. it to wash the. I need it to fall, like sweep the fog out of me. <laughs> the gross, like ninety-eight degree humidity fog out of me, please. <laughs> it's gross. Um, let's see. Well, I guess all that's left is pinkies up. How we all many know up would you give it? Five. A million, five, a million, five. <laughs> five, a million, no, five, five is fine. <laughs> I'm going to give it four pinkies up. Oh, yeah. I really, really liked it. Um, but I think if it had been a five, I would have also really liked it on the page. And for some reason I had a harder time getting into it, even though like this was written like in very modern language. Like I was, that's why I was shocked to find out when it, that it was written in like the very early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it read modern, which I enjoyed, but for some reason, I don't know if it's, it's probably, part of this is probably just like largely genre preference. It's for not me. really your genre. Yeah. It's not really my genre. Cottage core in general is not really my genre. I want it to be because of those moments of like the beautiful, like transcendent, like nature moments. I love that. It's really like a coming of age novel, like a slice yeah. of life coming of age. And that way it reminds it me of like, uh, tree grows in Brooklyn a little bit yes it's, um, it reminds me of that a lot exactly because yeah. it's it really follows her from like childhood through adolescence like into new adulthood and then we leave off and then there's more yeah. books but um I think the slice of life genre is just not my genre as much but uh-huh. there's a lot of other stuff I can appreciate about it so definitely four pinkies up over here um see what are we reading next week uh we are reading Brooklyn I believe oh that's right by mm-hmm. Calm, Calm to- Tobin, 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 I don't know. I used to be One good at pronouncing. I will look it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll try and have that pronunciation correct for you. But if you guys are like, that sounds familiar. Yes, this is the one with the movie with Saoirse Ronan, right? Yes. Yes, I have seen this movie actually. Great. And movie. it was beautiful. So I'm excited to read this. Um, it's going to be a good one. Was this a book wreck or was it? It just... was a book wreck from me. <laughs> oh, another a book wreck from Spoon. So have you read this before? I have. Yes. I read it okay. for my Irish literature class. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a story of an Irish immigrant to New York, correct? Uh-huh. 
Doesn't Brooklyn. she fall in love with a, a American with an Italian? Italian guy? Yeah. Yeah. It's the two okay. sides of my family colliding. <laughs> but Tony is so cute. He's I know. The, he's he the is. best of the Italian. When I, you're absolutely correct. When I watched the movie, I was like, hang on. Do I, do, do I have feelings for an Italian man? This is not, what is happening? This is not supposed to be happening. <laughs> I am firmly against dating Italians. What? <laughs> yeah he is so cute okay he is cute he is cute um so it's really good we're gonna do that next week so if you guys want to read along with us go check that out or or just go read an Anne green gables or listen to the audiobook because this book was thick i think that's the other thing too was it felt like hefty and intimidating but the audiobook was actually pretty short and it went very quickly yeah it's it's really yeah yeah it's- and i'll say on um on chirp sometimes trying to find a classic on chirp audiobooks um which is what the one i use because it's no subscription um it can be sometimes you find that you'll find a bunch of different versions for like $2.99 or something, which is awesome. Um, but sometimes those versions are like kind of low quality and I just get them anyways if I don't have time to like read the whole book. Um, so I'll do the audiobook version, even if it's kind of crappy. This one, they have a $2.99 version of this audiobook of Andrew Green Gables that's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. So definitely worth it. Um and also uh so we didn't really listen to the same one, but also the Rachel McAdams one, you guys know. If you can get yeah. that one so good as well. So she yeah. did a great job as well. There are, so, this is, this is definitely an audiobook book, at least for me. Like I really enjoyed this as an audiobook. It's nice because it's nice to like hear the fun mm-hmm. descriptions. And stuff. I did finish, I did finish listening to it this morning while I was like pitchforking the hay around the orchard, <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, Kendall would appreciate the description Dedication. of this. Yes. <laughs> However, the reality is so much grosser. <laughs> but I had my phone playing the audiobook balanced in on a tree branch. Oh, <laughs> it was cute. good. Yeah. But anyways, if you guys want to keep up with us during the week for more bookish nonsense and bookish adoration, you can do that. We're that pretentious book club on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. I uh, actually have some TikToks, I think, coming out um, this week that will have some sneak peeks for you guys for some other books that we're doing this season. So that's exciting. Largely thanks to you guys for all of the book recs. So thank you guys again for that. We're doing some book recs later this season, which I am like thrilled about. Like I've already read them and somebody book wrecked them. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. This is going to be so much fun. Um, some of them were books that were recommended to us by multiple people. So I will try to remember if they were multiple people and give you guys shout outs. But anyways, yeah. you guys can keep up with us on uh, social media. If you guys want to send us book recs for next season, or you just want to chat with us about books, uh, you can message us on social media, or you can email us at contact at storysirenstudio.com. That's our production company. You can also go to storysirenstudio.com if you want to see all of our bookish merch we've got inside jokes we've got pod merch we've got book jokes we've got um not we don't have our midsummer night dreams merch yet but my sister is working on it it's good so it's um, coming it's, it's coming go check it I out can't wait. Um, it supports the pod which is fun and also little independent artists like my sister which is cool and now that she's little she's taller than me but you know um such is genetics but um <laughs> is that what a divergence um Anyways, oh, that's what I was, was going to say something else. And I I entertained myself too thoroughly. Oh, myself. Dang it. 
Oh, yes. Uh, if you guys want to support the pod another way, you can also go to Patreon slash StorySirenStudio.com. That's also where you can see all of our video episodes. We have bonus episodes, bonus content, exclusive content, exclusive merch just for our Patreon supporters. Um, shout out this last couple, this last couple weeks, we've gotten like two more. Bethany Finger from uh, the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Uh, she she signed up for our Patreon, so thank uh-huh. you, Bethany. And my mom also signed up for oh, our yeah. Patreon. I was like, thank you, mom. <laughs> she signed up with 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 Poppy, like the flower, because that's her like grandma name. Uh-huh. So that's very cute. So that thank you cute. guys for joining the Patreon. And if you guys want to see our exclusive content, you guys can go and see that there, including video episodes and all of that good stuff. And if there's anything that you guys want to see us do on Patreon or even on social media or on the pod, reach out and let us know so we can give you guys what you want. Uh, and finally, if you guys enjoy the pod, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review below that would be absolutely fantastical and i think that that's everything i've got for you guys so until next week keep your teacups full your pinkies high and your book club pretentious goodbye goodbye